It is good to have everyone here today. Uh, annually, this is what we do. Uh, we have a service set aside for our youth to completely take it over. And so I'm going to set the stage just with some prayer today and then let you know what series we're stepping into over the next four weeks. But then I'm handing off the microphone to some of my favorite people and leaders in this community. Sound good? All right, let me pray. Father, thank you for who you are and for the joy and delight that you instill in your people. Today, we ask that your presence is felt. We ask that you would wake us up to it, that we'd be able to experience some of the joy and delight that you have found in us. Zephaniah says you, you sing over us. You sing over us, God. Would we experience that today as we gather together here? It is in your name that we pray these things, and all his people said, Amen. Amen. Uh, I got a few serious pictures before we begin. Uh, This is the siege of Verdun, a a picture of the siege of Verdun. Um, This next one you're going to see is actually a, a picture of the Bunker Hill battle. And this third one... Another battle, the Battle of Hamburger in Vietnam. And all three of these battles had one thing in common. All of them started with a general or generals at the foot of a hill. And all of them had to ask one question about the position of advantage and whether or not they would take it. The question was not whether or not they would lose people upon their journey up the hill. They knew they would. The question was, is this a hill worth losing people for? The place of advantage, the place of opportunity, strength, that top of the hill, was that a position that was so important for the larger battle at hand that they were okay losing people? That's where we get the question from. Is this hill worth dying on? And over the next four weeks, we actually get to start a a teaching series called A Worthy Endeavor where we're going to look at the hills that we say we will exhaust everything for these four things. These are it. There's a lot of things that are good and necessary for us to be obedient to the way of Jesus in this city, but there are some things that are absolutely necessary. You can't go without it if you are going to be obedient to the Scripture and the way of Jesus. And so you'll hear us in a few weeks talk about the family priority of the neighborhood. That's one of them. It's one of the hills that we will die on. Jesus says, you have come to be salt and light. You are, you are here to add seasoning to the neighborhood, to immerse yourself in the fabric of the place that you call home. Even in a transient time, you are to add seasoning and light. Then we'll talk about the family priority of the nations. Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all I've commanded. We will talk about the fact that this good news of the kingdom is for all tribes, all tongues, cultures, contexts, and creeds. And how important it is to have a diverse leadership community that moves that mission forward. Then we'll talk about new churches. We believe that Jesus reaches you on his way to someone else. And what we've seen over the past generation is still the the way that we see most people come to know the goodness of God and the grace of Jesus is through new church communities, new church families. We'll talk about that. But today we get to start with our fourth priority, the next generation. Ronald Reagan, President Ronald Reagan once said, we are no more than one generation away from losing complete freedom. 
I would take that quote and I would transition it to the kingdom and say, we are no more than one generation away from seeing the way of Jesus, Jesus permeate the city of New York. And no more than one generation away from seeing it dissipate a little bit. It's very, very important that the next generation is invested in now. These are the things that we wrap our resources, our energy, our time, our money into at this church. And so you are about to be introduced to my four good friends. Uh, And when you hear from them, I want you to hear with a spirit of expectancy because we believe that there is an authority in them through the Holy Spirit that we can all sit under their teaching and actually expect life-changing preaching and teaching and illustrations from But then, two, you are to be the largest cheerleaders these people will ever have. Sound good? So without any further ado, I would love to introduce you to my friends Isabella, Isaiah, Andrew, and Liam. Isabella, come on up. Hi, my name is Isabella, and I'm 14 years old. And I go to school at PSI 217. My scripture reading for today is Philippians 4.6 and 4.7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And all, all the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. Amen. One night, as I was sitting on my couch in my living room, I began to look outside the window. I thought about every possible thing that could happen in the future. Will I still be on the island? Will any of my loved ones have passed away? What mistakes will I have made by then? Every negative thought possible came to mind. In the past few years, my family and I have been through a lot of pain. My mom came over and she saw the tears on my face. She asked what was wrong. She suggested we should pray. And even though I knew it was a good idea, sometimes I am tempted to do other things. For many of us, when anxiety takes over, we like to do everything but pray. Do you ever feel tempted to pretend that everything is okay, even when it really isn't? Even though I knew I should pray, I'd rather go on to the easier things. Sometimes I am tempted to pretend as if everything is okay. I put on a different face. I act differently. Other times, I like to perform, move on to other things, anything else, even if it only removes the pain for five seconds. I'd watch Netflix, go outside of friends, eat, anything. And lastly, sometimes I escape from the pain, where I make sure my mind is consumed by anything else. School, my friends, and even social media. Are you ever tempted to, to do any of these things? Thankfully, though, this time I wasn't. This time I let my mom pray for me. One of the very few times where I didn't escape from the pain and asked for help. When she began to pray, I started to learn that when praying to a God as big as ours those problems begin to feel smaller. And until I start declaring that a God as big as mine is in control, I'm forever under the illusion that I'm the one who's in control. May we be a people who drop the illusion that we're in control about our future, but instead pray to the one who's always been faithful. You know know what they're thinking right now? They're thinking, well, that was really good, and I wish Dan's sermons were that long. Uh, come on up here, ma'am. Come on. You take that one. Tell them who you are, kid. Um, hi, my name is Isaiah, and I'm 12 years old, and I go to Wagner Middle School. Hey, hey. 
Uh, what scripture you want to read for them today? What's been important for you as of late? Um, it's from Psalm 71, verse 1 through 3. Lord, I have gone to you for safety. Let me never be put to shame. You do what is right, so save me and help me. Be, pay attention to me and save me. Be my rock of safety that I can go to. Give a command to save me. You are my rock and fort. That's a good piece of scripture, man. And this, this has been important for you. Uh, safety, security, uh, God being a fortress. And, part, and there's a lot of reasons why it's been important for you. But for some of you that don't know Isaiah's story, Isaiah was in foster care for a bit before coming to our family. And so a place of safety and security is of the utmost importance for this kid. Uh, for you, the importance of safety and security has come up a, a bit lately. Tell us a story about, about a time this scripture had to be central for you. Um, so there was one, this one time, it was my brothers, me, Liam, and Eli were playing in our room. And it was our mom and dad, you and Mal were talking in the living room. And while Liam was about to jump in on the beanbag, this just came to my mind just to play around. I quickly grabbed it away while he was in the air, and I didn't know, know what I was doing, really. I just When he was know. jumping in the air, you pulled the beanbag out from underneath him. Yeah. And I didn't know how much trouble I was getting <laughs> in. This is, a, this is one of those moments where, you, as a parent, you have to discipline, but you don't want to because you're like, that was a smooth move. But keep going. And you, were embar- you were embarrassed for what reason? Because I was just thinking that mom and dad will judge me in a different way or be ashamed of me. Yeah. And it's a, it's a big deal for you to, to, to be viewed by mom and I as a good kid, right? Yeah. That's a big deal. And so in this moment, when you feel a little bit unsafe and insecure and worried about whether or not you're accepted and approved of, what is, what is your temptation? to? How do you usually try and fix that? What are some things you do? Um, I usually try to find, like, safety from being good at sports. You get, you get approved a lot from your athleticism, yeah. right? Yeah, you get that from me. Go ahead. And, <laughs> and just getting, probably being the class clown. Yeah, I know. You like getting laughs from people as well. Yeah. And then the, the, another place that you get it from is from mom and I. You like being, th- this guy likes being viewed as a well-behaved child, right? Yeah. Like you get some affirmation and love that way, don't you? Yeah, so those are some of the, the ways you're tempted to, to deal with moments of insecurity and unsafety and a need for approval. But something different happened this time, right? Yeah. What happened? Um, this week, actually, the same week, I, when I went to church, I felt God was really moving me and saying I was forgiven. I need to be ashamed of myself. You, you didn't need to be ashamed? Yeah. You, he's, your, he's, he's your rock. Yeah. He's your fortress. Doesn't have to be anything else, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great, man. What would you say to these people? Because even though um, many of them can grow facial hair, the men, um, and many of them are, are, are 40 and not 11, they still go to find approval and security in places that are not necessarily going to deliver ultimate security and safety and approval. What, what would you say to them? What, what are some questions you would ask? Um, who will you look for um, like safety from? It could be your job. It could be friends. It could be family. Whoever it is, you have the chance to go to the path and follow Jesus, who is your rock, fortress, and he loves you. Amen. Amen. Love you, man. Good job. Now, these guys, these guys prepared hard this week. There was at least two or three times where we sat down and talked through this stuff and prayed together. 
Um, but in the process of leadership development, whether I'm doing leadership development with some of you who are in your 40s or 10-year-olds, um, sometimes you see that kids have different gifts, but adults have different giftings. Um, and we see the power of God at work when we actually start to, to lean into our specific giftings in the way that God has gifted us. And this happened this week as we sat down with Andrew. Uh, and so I'm going to bring Andrew up here, but he's got a little bit of a different angle as he preaches and teaches today because we found out that Andrew has some artistic ability. Come on up, Andrew. Hi, my name is Andrew, and, I go to, and I'm 11 years old, and I go to St. Albans School. The scripture I'll be reading from is Luke 11 through 11 through 13. Which of your fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? Even though you are evil, you still know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your father give good gifts if you ask for the Holy Spirit? I do love my dad, but sometimes I get confused with my dad and the Holy Father. Something you may not know about me is like, I like drawing. So today, I've drawn different types of fathers. Maybe you've experienced an angry dad. Maybe you've made a mistake, been disobedient. Or maybe your dad had a bad day and took it out on you. Or you could have experienced a distant dad who's distant because of their job. A person may have kept him away from you or a bad habit. For some of you, your dads might have died, and that could be as distant as it gets. Or maybe you've experienced a disappointed dad who could be disappointed in your job, what you like, or what you do. Have you experienced one of these dads? And if you have, do you long for a best dad who gives you gifts and accepts for who you are? But something you may not realize is that you already have a best dad, God. And God gave you the gift, the greatest gift of all, the Holy Spirit. Hey, come here a sec, come here. Now, this is a big deal. I want to take a second to, to reiterate some of the stuff that Andrew's talking about because this scripture talks about the fact that we all have dads who have screwed up. I've screwed up. My kids will all have to be in therapy later on in their lives. Wish I was kidding. Um, but, but as fathers, we screw up. Our fathers have screwed up. But even, even the worst of them, even the worst of them, give us, give us something that we can potentially turn into a, a decent gift or a lesson learned. And this scripture, Andrew, and you read it so well, this scripture is saying if, if earthly fathers who have failures and flaws, who stop short and settle for less, if those fathers can give something worth the value, how much more the perfect dad that you have, right? How much more the perfect father that you have, who's in close proximity, who's with you every step of the way. And he doesn't just give good gifts like provision. He doesn't just give good, give good gifts like purpose. He gives what? The Holy Spirit. He gives, he gives himself. He gives himself. And so many of us in this room, and me and you too, man, we have to come to these moments in life where we ask the question, is that enough? If the creator of the world really did take on flesh and come into the world as Christ, deposit his very spirit in us, 
It means that you and I have the very essence, the spirit of God in us, the capacity, the authority of God, the compassion, the creativity of God is in us. That's as close as it comes. But for you and me, for many of these people, there's a lot of days where we go that, yeah, I want more or I want different. And so part of, part of our role as the church is to get brutally honest on the days that we go, no, that's not enough. And then to reorient ourselves around the truth that this father is as gracious as it gets, as, as close as it comes, as, as satisfying as you will ever experience, and is with us, and is with you, man. Look at me in the face. Is with you. Yeah. Amen. Thanks, buddy. Almost twelve. My name is Liam Sadler, and I'm eleven, almost twelve, and I go to Wagner Middle School. And what I'm going to read today is from the Book of Matthew in the New Testament, chapter 16, verse 25. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me will find it. So I like a lot of things in life. For example, I like playing basketball. I love going down to the court after school and shooting hoops. It's one of my favorite things to do. Okay, good. Where's the second book? (laughs) I like reading. If you give me a couple books on a rainy day, I'll probably finish them all. My parents even say I read more books than them. I like Rubik's Cubes. My brain is just wired to them. It's just like I have a skill for algorithms. I like my computer. I like playing games on it, making music, doing schoolwork, and a bunch of other things. I like school. Most of you probably don't, but I do. And it's really important to me for me to get good grades. I like baseball. I love playing pitcher. The other day, I had a game, and I just barely won by one run. I like playing soccer, too. If I rank my top three sports, it would probably be baseball, basketball, then soccer. I like playing goalie. My favorite team is probably Bayern Munich. And I like all of these th- Oops. It's okay. It's okay. I like all of these things, and I do them all the time. But the problem is, Jesus comes along and asks me to follow him and hold on to him. But I just can't because my arms are full. This is why Jesus says, seek the kingdom of God and all else will be added. Um, can you take this? Oops. Okay. And, like the other day, I caught myself. I just got back from the middle school retreat. Isaiah and Eli had soccer. In Brooklyn, I had baseball practice. Marquisha had her school play. Lucy had her school concert. And our parents had meetings everywhere. And all I was doing was asking silly questions like, can I watch the video? Can I watch the video? Can I watch the video? Over and over again. Which is really an example of me focusing on myself and trying to find my life. But Jesus says, though, if you try to find your life, you'll lose it. 
which is why Jesus' kingdom is different. When you concern your life about finding Jesus and helping others find Christ, you'll find your wait no, you'll find Jesus, and Jesus will make space for all the other things in your life. So what I want to ask you is, what are you trying to find? What are you trying to find your life in? Is there something holding you back from opening your arms to Jesus? Oh. Hey, hey. Oh, yeah, it's pretty good. So here's what's really interesting. When we think about Jesus and children, our minds often go to a piece of scripture we probably don't even know where it is, where Jesus blesses the little children. And for whatever reason, whether it's because you grew up in some type of Sunday school or you saw some flannel graph happen, you have this image in your mind of Jesus sitting on a tree or next to a tree. Hey, Butler, will you get that piece of paper right there? And then gathering some kids around him and sitting them on his lap. It's this nice, cute little scene, right, where Jesus blesses these kids and is like, God, keep them safe. Father, keep them safe. But the word bless in that scenario, it's a, it's a word that has gone back some centuries. In fact, you can find it throughout the Old Testament. It's actually, in the original language, the same word that is used when God blesses Abraham and says, I'm going to bless your family. I'm going to make it grow large into a nation that exists for the sake of other people. The word blessing in its original language is used when you see people like Isaac blessing his son Jacob. What we know of in those blessings in the Old Testament is this was the transferring of keys to the kingdom where the firstborn would get everything, would get authority, would get finances, would get privilege, would get protection, would get everything from these fathers. So what happens is we have this little image of Jesus and these little kids going, God, bless these little people, keep them safe. But in essence, what's really happening is Jesus is actually holding his hand out upon these kids going, the keys to the kingdom are being transferred to these. The authority, the power, the influence, the license to act on my behalf. They're now theirs, which is why in the Gospel of Mark it says, unless you receive the kingdom like a little child, you will not enter into it. See, it seems that God is less worried about skill set and success. More worried about our dependency. Because kids are screw-ups. Right? Kids are, from, from a little age, they are, no one... No one is teaching a child how to be selfish. It just happens. We teach them how to share. From very early on, there's some things that are off. So, so, so kids, like adults, we, we, we're flawed. There's imperfections. And yet still, unless you receive the kingdom like a child, this is not about skill set. It is not about strengths. It is not about intellect. It's not even about obedience. It's about dependency. So part of your spiritual formation in this room as adults 
is learning how to lose the illusion that you are in control and can do this on your own. And becoming much more like Damien, or like Lucy, or like Sean, who's falling asleep on his mama's shoulder right now. Which is just about the most perfect illustration of what it looks like to find your identity in the rest of a good dad.